Hello, Texans, and good evening. Welcome to Texans All Access here from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer with you, joined by the General. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. John, how's it going tonight? Mark, it is so much more fun at Energy Stadium. <laughs> As you know, when a team comes off a victory, especially a victory over the Cowboys, which had been a long time coming, but everybody's been so happy now. Buffalo's here. They got a chance for a three-game winning streak, even the record, and go to Jacksonville. Do you know, and I'm sure you do, only 12 teams have a record better than the Texans. Well, so they're kind of right above the middle mark, and that's not exactly where they want to be, but considering where they were, they'll certainly take it, right? Always what you do in November and December, not September and October, and if that adage proves true that Texans are going to keep winning and be in the division race with the Jaguars, still get to play the Jaguars twice and the Titans and Colts here. So the division is there for the taking with all three teams losing mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend and then, of course, the Texans winning. All right, we'll get to, the, to those other teams' games in just a few moments here. But you mentioned it, the teams with better records, not as many as you might think. The Texans are 2-3. and three. The league is like this, though. You and I are going to sit here in a few weeks when everybody's either 5-6 and six or 6-5. Six and five. You're going to have a whole bunch of teams jumbled right there with so many teams still with a shot at the postseason. That's just the way it's designed, and that's the beauty of the NFL. Bill O'Brien says, you know, it's an 8-8 eight and eight league. What that means is everybody's good enough to be 8-8. Eight and eight. Injuries, some good bounces opposed to bad bounces, Big plays separate those teams, and especially as you, as you, you have to. It's who that proves the most. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Texans are winning close. Think about it: seven, three, five, three, three. They're being battle tested for close games. The Bills ought to know. Hey, keep them out of overtime. We'll beat them. They can't win a game unless it's in <laughs> overtime. And they. They know now if they go into overtime, they got to have a lot of confidence, especially with Watson throwing to DeAndre Hopkins to set up Kaimi Fairbairn. But will Watson throw to DeAndre Hopkins, or will it be Whedon or Joe Webb or somebody like that? And I think that's what everybody wants to know, and we really don't know the answer to that. I would presume Watson plays, but I really don't know anything, so I don't want to be the guy that people are leaning on for information here. I guess nothing would surprise me at this point because – this is a situation where you don't want to risk anything further to Deshaun Watson, but at the same time, you have no margin for error here. You have to beat the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. He's he's beaten up. We all saw him take so many shots, and they were self-inflicted. And uh, like on, if he's in a shotgun in the red zone and the receiver's not there, throw it out of the back of the end zone. Don't run for the corner. And maybe he learned that. The Cowboys were really good at closing. Dallas's defense played well. Yeah. And Kendall Lamb did a really good job against Demarcus Lawrence. I went back and watched it twice, and he had him one-on-one more than I thought. I just assumed that Mike Devlin would give him more help, and he did sometimes, and he got beat sometimes. But by and large, he did well. Now the line is going to start the same five for the second game in a row, which Mike Devlin called a miracle, basically what he's had to do. <laughs> because of injuries, and so uh, I think if Watson is tough, we all know that he's physically tough, he's mentally tough, he assured us on Wednesday, for sure he's starting, but the fact is he's sore. They call him a chest injury. You know, we saw him getting his lungs examined 
during the game when he went under the tent. No telling what he had checked there. But it's not his arm or his shoulder or his hand or one of his legs. It's the, the upper body that can be padded up and protected, but you have to avoid hits. So I'm going to say he's going to play. I don't know. Brandon Whedon is ready to go if he needs him. Buffalo, 2-3, and three, but the lowest scoring team in the league. Third, the 31st in offense, 32 in passing. They've had three games, I think, where they haven't thrown for 90 yards, but they beat Minnesota, and they beat Tennessee. Should Watson talk to Dan Pastorini about what it's like to play with, with bad ribs or a bad chest injury or whatever Pastorini played with? Pastorini should come over here someday with a baseball bat and somebody with him and go up to Watson and start pounding his friend in the ribs with a bat like Byron Donzis did to Pastorini. Dan was laid up in the hospital, and a guy comes to his room, somehow gets in with a baseball bat, and Dan's thinking, uh-oh, some irate fan. And he starts pounding the guy with him in the ribs with his bat. And that's the flag jacket. Byron Donzis invented the flag jacket. And that was decades ago. And today they're they're lighter and more sophisticated. But you could have Watson in two of them if you wanted. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think he'll play. Now they got Jacksonville the next week. Then a short Thursday night. Short week with the Thursday night Miami game, but then you get all that time off before Denver, then the bye week after Denver. So right. if Watson can just get to Miami physically, then he'll have one game over what we think twenty four days. Yeah, one game in twenty four days. And so I I think that for what ails him, things on the inside of his chest, not his heart. We all know he's he's got a lot of heart that uh, he'll be able to play. Okay, let's hope for the very best there. Running game, John. Alfred Blue, we expect Lamar Miller to be back, but I like what I see out of Alfred Blue from time to time. I know he didn't get a lot of yards per carry. In fact, very little. But he had some (laughs) decent runs, and he caught the ball well out of the backfield. They were taking advantage of the check down, and I think no matter who's in the backfield – that's not a bad little weapon to have against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. That was Buffalo's defense is good. Buffalo's yeah. defense is rated high. Now, Alfred, um, Bill O'Brien called him to run on first down 14 times. In this day and age, you don't see a back getting it that much on first down, but Alfred had by far the best game of his career as a receiver. You know, the Texans just threw a net over Ezekiel Elliott. He was averaging 8.4 yards a catch, and here he had 4-point-something yards a catch. Cowboys were not ready for Alfred Blue to catch that ball and turn it upfield. Watson doesn't like to do that. You know, he likes to hold it, hold it, let the receivers get open down the field, and they wisely did that, and Lamar Miller can do it too. And um, But the fact is they've gone from 1st to 10th in rushing and if it wasn't for Watson, it would be worse. The yeah. backs have to be more productive out of the backfield in the running game. Well, they've gotten they've gone from first to tenth in rushing, but I think they'll take what they're getting out of the passing game overall as far as through the air total yardage. They want to get in the end zone more, John. But when you're a top five offense overall, clearly you're doing something right. And my point about about the offense is this. Yes, they have to be better in the red zone, but at least they're sustaining drives. Remember the Giants game. They go three and out all that time in the first half, and that really costs them because the defense is on the field so much. Now at least they're moving the football. They just have to finish more drives. They did it last year. O'Brien called the plays. Watson was the quarterback. 
I don't know what's the difference. Not like to have a new play caller and a new quarterback, and that's why they're struggling. They're 31st in red zone touchdowns last year, 36%. Last year they were 67% when Watson was playing. So whatever it is, whether it's they're not effective running the ball, and, I, and we say the red zone, that's the 20 in. Specifically, that last game is the five in. Mm-hmm. They were so they were on the one what one twice two and threes four something like that. I don't know that I've seen them have the ball inside the five that much and only score one touchdown. The previous game against the Colts, they were five out of five in the red zone, three touchdowns, two field goals. So if they keep getting down there, and they're second or third in trips into the red zone, so they're getting there eventually. That's going to work. One of the things that. Uh, I was talking about with Mark Berman. When Warren Moon and the run and shoot played there for the Oilers, they were great in the red zone because Warren, they would be spread out with four wides, and the the inside slot receivers would say this is a five-yard line. They would get off the ball, and they would go right or left, and Warren would throw it at their knees where they would go down and catch it or nobody would catch it. And if the corners were playing press coverage, he'd throw a fade or the outside receivers. Or if they were off a little bit, they'd run a quick slant. But everything came out immediately, whether it was incomplete or not. And they were good at it and yeah. uh, because they were down there a lot. And there's no doubt in my mind with all these good receivers that the Texans have, especially with Kiki QT, what he brings to the offense in a slot, they're going to work out these issues. Well, let's hope so. Now, DeAndre Hopkins had the amazing catch and run in overtime, John. DeAndre's star continues to rise, and that's saying something because he's been a star. This guy showed up on campus, if you will, here, catching a touchdown in his very first game at NRG Stadium week two of 2013 in overtime, and he's always put up numbers, and now I think it's going to go to another level because he's got an elite quarterback, an elite talent throwing him the football. Two years ago, when Osweiler was here, people talked about DeAndre never got any yard, never got any yak yards after the catch, and he said he had been doing to improve his running. He had been doing different uh, workout regi- regimes, and it didn't have. He didn't explain it, although he said running on the beach, things he's been doing help him get yak, and he said he had a dream about having a play to help win the game. And I said, well, are you spinning like a top or a, baller- <laughs> a ballerina? Y'all should put him in a tutu in your great video that you had him on that play. Well, we weren't going to go that far. And and um, so in the game before, what was a 31-yard catch in overtime to set it up? Yeah. And um, I'm uh, – I'm amazed that teams don't do more to take him out of the game and force somebody else to beat him. And I've thought about this, Mark, in my decades of covering the NFL. I've never seen a receiver have a better run. You know, the catch was routine. He came off the line. He made his break. He saw a lot of. He said he saw a lot of green in front of him mm-hmm. for the catch. And as soon as he caught it, he turned it upfield immediately. And then the spinning was just instinctive. He said, right. "You know, from playing football a lot, you just take a glance and you know where the guys are, and you do what you can to get away from them." Of course, everybody's scared death. He's going to fumble. And he said, "Well, my hands are so big. Me holding it with one hand is like others holding it with two." and he knew where the defenders were when he was holding the ball 
out a little bit, and then when they closed in, he tucked it. But I've never seen a better run by a receiver, and it's exciting. And if when you're going to do it, do it in prime time against the Cowboys in the highest-rated prime time game NBC's had in three or four years. John, I know that the Dallas Cowboys offense is not exactly the 1999 St. Louis Rams, but the Texans defense. They came up with a good performance, and they're going to need that again. Buffalo does not have a good offense, so this could be a real low-scoring thing if that Buffalo defense is as good as people think. The thing about the defense, the secondary's lost another corner. You know, Kayvon Webster comes out, and and as they said, a thigh injury, so I don't know if he's got a broken bone in there, but he went on IR. That's three corners in five weeks. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, the, old, the oldest of the group, the old man, Jonathan Joseph, is coming off two big games in which he made really big plays. And they're fortunate that Kareem can play corner. He covers slot receiver. Matthew played corner at Arizona. He covers slot receiver. And Justin Reed is so talented, he could probably do anything in the secondary. Only thing he lacks is, is – uh, experience and I know they're not talking about it now but when Andre Howe came in and told us that his cancer was gone and the whole reason he did the treatment he did was to play again this year so maybe he'll be able to come back over the second half of the season and give them even more depth at safety because he started 16 games last year and the key as you know is the pressure and they're right. getting it from Watt. They're getting it from Clowney. After going back and watching it, and I bet when you did the broadcast, you probably thought Clowney was going to have at least two more sacks. So he yeah. got both hands on Prescott. Watt had one he should have had. Mm-hmm. Prescott's big and strong. Josh Allen's even bigger. But um, they got really good pressure that didn't necessarily show up in the numbers. Well, I was having flashbacks of Romo in the 2014 game when he spun out and and hit a touchdown pass when he spun out of a Watt sack when he did it. I forgot about that. When Prescott did it in this game, I thought, oh, here we go again. He finds Tavon Austin for the game-tying field goal spot, and uh, it was a little too close for comfort, but the Texans pulled out the game. But, yeah, Clowney, everybody's starting to get to the quarterback now. Except Whitney. Yeah, and that's got to happen sooner or later. Whitney, I thought after the Colts game, he had three hits on Luck. And he had a tackle for loss in the running game, and I was expecting a breakout, and he didn't have anything on the stat sheet. But after, when I watched it, there were three or four times where he set the edge, and Elliott wanted to go there, and he had to cut it inside and was stopped for no, no gain or one-yard gain. So he did some things that didn't show up in the stat sheet. But he's Whitney Merciless. He's got to start making some plays in the backfield. And it's only a matter of time before he does, and having him – Going along with Clowney and Watt, the defense should get just better and better. Both inside linebackers played well. DJ Reader's been playing well the entire season. And Angelo Blackson, you know, he's starting now mm-hmm. at the other end. And they've been, you know, their front seven is playing better. And I'm pretty sure they'll probably dominate the Bills because Buffalo's lost three linemen from last year, and they're really struggling in the passing game. Let's go around the league a little bit here. First with the AFC South General, as we mentioned, the Texans taking on the Bills, of course, Sunday at noon here at NRG Stadium. Meanwhile, the Ravens are at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee just lost to Buffalo in western New York, and the Ravens are coming off an OT loss to the Cleveland Browns. So what do you make of this one? Both those teams need to win. Uh, Mike Vrabel been winning three Close games, three consecutive victories by three points, and then they go to Buffalo and they lose by one, 13-12. So 
I think it's going to be close, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Baltimore doesn't win. Then you got Jacksonville at Dallas. All right. Texans fans have to cheer like crazy for the Cowboys one week after booing them like crazy. Yeah, I think that it's okay because it's the AFC South. I'll cheer for the Cowboys this week. Go Cowboys. Beat the Jags. Jason Garrett, (laughs) save your job for this week. You know, they're going to need the help of the Cowboys this year two more times after this when they play the Colts. No, actually, just one more time. No, they'll have the Titans too. Here's a song you need to learn this week. What's that? All you Cowboy fans, stand up and cheer. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. That was their song when I was a kid growing up in Waco on the weekly Mm -hmm. Dallas Cowboys show. And that was the theme song for Tom Landry would come on. But they need, Texans need Cowboys to win. If if Baltimore and Dallas win and the Texans win, you got a three-way tie for first place. I think Bortles could struggle. In Arlington. Well, he's been to good Blake, bad Blake on alternate weeks. He's coming off a terrible game. Not yardage, but awful inside the 25. So they need good Blake to show up and then bad Blake the next week. I'm not looking past Buffalo because I have this this special place in my heart for Buffalo uh, to pound the Bills every chance you get mm-hmm. because of the playoff what game. Playoff game. And uh, but that Jacksonville game, if that think if that was both teams were three and three, and that was for first place. Yikes! Uh, Can you imagine and them coming in here for the last game of the year? It's going to be really interesting next. Get week. these three. It's so weird. We're always on on the road with the Texans in the AFC South in December, mm-hmm. and now these games are all going to be off the schedule road games in AFC South in the first half of the schedule. That's why even at 0-3, I said you still have a tremendous opportunity here. I it, Maybe you take three losses early and you're able to offset them later, but you know what? You have to offset them. So this is part of the process. Beat the Bills this week and see what you can do on the road against the Jags next week. Now, the Colts will be at the Jets. Look, Andrew Luck's playing well. The Jets are kind of mysterious. They're a little bit hot and cold. What do you think of this one? The Jets uh, were had lost three in a row, and then they came back and beat who? Denver? Denver. Just pounded Denver. Mm-hmm. Now they're ready to enshrine Sam Darnold again. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Sam Darnold. Yeah. You know, the Texans missed Josh Rosen this year, but I'm excited to see these guys. I started following them their last year of college and then throughout the offseason program. So I'm really excited about that. And, and, uh, I the Colts got a long injury list. Their injuries last year were almost as decimating as the Texans, and now they've had it happen two in a row. I feel sorry for Luck. You just can't keep throwing the ball sixty times a game. I don't think it's like a pitcher; your arm eventually wears out. Well, I thought they were so competitive against New England, they just turned it over. I mean, you can't do that at Foxborough. And speaking of that. Is this loss number one for the Chiefs on Sunday night when they visit New England? I never, ever have picked against the Patriots at home since they got good in 2001, and I'm not going to do it here. Patrick Mahomes, he didn't prove he was human, but he wasn't inhuman. Threw Mm -hmm. two interceptions, still threw for 315 yards. He ran for a touchdown. And so New England, I think, will win this game and people will start to say, aha, they're back. And Kansas City's defense played so much better than everybody thought against the Jaguars, just stymied them. And uh, I think, uh, though, 
I think if my, if the Chiefs go into Gillette and win and Mahomes. Oh, my gosh. Let's see. This will be one start last year, five this year, seventh start of his career. Crazy. Whew. That'll be wild. All right. Uh, the Bengals hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers, AFC North matchup. I guess we'll know a whole lot about the Bengals. Now, they were down 17 nothing to Miami and had to roar back to win that one. That was a weird game. We'll get to Miami in a second here, but what do you think of this one? Andy Dalton is, let's see, I saw a rating of 139 either when he's blitzed, something that shows how well he's playing. And uh, they got Vontez Burfecht back after his suspension for their defense. And the Steelers, though, who had been giving up all kinds of points, did, gave up 17, I think, to Atlanta. So maybe the Steelers fixed the problems in the secondary. Uh-huh. This is the kind of game Cincinnati win at home, Pittsburgh will win at home, but uh, I, I'm picking the Bengals. Now, what's going on in Denver? They won those first two games in semi-shaky fashion, but they at won home. them Yeah, at home, and now you know, not so good. They go to the Jets last week. They get steamrolled by them, really, in case – and he can throw for a lot of yards. He can throw for scores, too. But they've had a little bit of the turnover bug biting them too much. He's having to throw the ball too much. And their running game is working. Now, remember last year, John Elway considered firing Vance Joseph after one year. Yeah. And when you talk about coaches on the hot seat like uh, Todd Bowles and Dirk Cutter, mm-hmm. Jason Garrett, and, and uh, I think that Vance Joseph is right up there among the leading coaches on the hot seat because they have just they're not showing improvement this year especially after winning the first two so uh i could i i love case so i'd like to see case win but they're not just not very good why aren't the falcons any better they're hosting the Buccaneers. they lost their two starting safeties and they didn't have depth there's talk about them trying to trade for oakland's carl joseph so they can't stop anybody on the back end, and they haven't had Devontae Freeman. He's been hurt, their top running back. But they got Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. He's been a great first-round pick, and you have Matt Ryan in a good line. But their defense is just horrible, horrible. I believe in their losses, they're giving up at least 40 points a game. Philadelphia and the Giants play tonight. What do you think? Two disappointments. Giants won four. I don't understand how Eli Manning could come in here and look like he nah. did when he's in the Super Bowl, and he hadn't done it the rest of the year. And then Philadelphia, Carson Wentz. I, Philly has dominated the Giants in recent years. I think they'll win this game. Wentz will get a little better and better, but they've lost players, whether they left in free agency after they won their championship. They, they, they have already lost as many games as they lost last year. That's pretty In my amazing. pick of the Cowboys to win the NFC East, I certainly haven't given it up because the NFC East is terrible. If they get it going again and Prescott can throw it a little bit better, you never know in Big D. Okay, NFL all-time passing yardage mark was held by Peyton Manning. Drew Brees broke it on Monday night, 72,000-plus yards now for Brees, followed by Manning, Favre, Brady, and Dan Marino. Now, I wanted to get into a little conversation with you about this. First of all, in no particular order, what Marino did at 61,000 yards is ridiculously good because he did it in another era where they weren't throwing for a whole lot of yards. And even though guys like Dan Fouts, he was around, John Elway, obviously, Warren same class Moon. as Marino. Warren Now, Warren Moon's in a different category. Can you imagine if Warren came into the NFL, 
when he could have, would have, should have, you'd be looking at another how many yards, John? 20,000? I mean, he would be up there in the 70s maybe, and maybe he would put up a number that no one could break. Breeze wants to play into his 40s. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. He has shown no signs of letting up. He's had one injury in his career, and that's what got him to New Orleans, the shoulder injury. And in the game the other night, my goodness, he had as many touchdowns as incompletions, three. Right. And right now, there may not be a player who means more to his city. You know, Watt means a lot here, but he hadn't won a Super Bowl. Breeze won a Super Bowl. I don't see him slowing down. Sean Payton is not going to get fired as long as Breeze is there because they got too good of a thing going offensively. And um, I think he may he could play another three years, and you can imagine where these numbers would be. And if you look at the young quarterbacks you, you playing under these rules, uh, maybe – 15, 18 years from now, they'll see somebody else. And if Marino played today with these rules, with the uh, uh, Marx brothers, no telling what kind of yardage he would put up. When Fran Tarkenton had the record, he held it for a long time, John, 47,000 yards. He was done in 1978, and it took another 20 years to break the record. I mean, it's, it's incredible what he was able to do. And, again, it's a good example of how the era changed with the rules and everything because I remember I was a huge Dan Fouts fan, as you know, and Fouts couldn't touch the record. He fell 4,000 short by the time he retired because he only had 43,000-plus only. And he was second for a long time. Now Fouts is 16th and Fran Tarkenton is 11th. And a better example of this is in college football where Doug Flutie retired, well, retired, done in college as the all-time leader in NCAA passing history, and now he's like 60th or something. And he's going to keep falling yep. the way college football is today. It's yep. a passer's league, and one of the reasons teams are throwing it better today, they've incorporated a lot of what college football did, and uh, it's more wide open. And, uh, you know, it's like the old Braves commercial, chicks dig the long ball, yep. chicks dig the passing game. They do. You know, they'll run in game like Cowboys are doomed to play a lot of close games because they run, run, run. They don't have a passing game that's going to be able to give them a big lead without turnovers. Same thing with Buffalo. I think the Texans will break out and not be that kind of team and will not play every game that's one score. Um, but it's fun to watch. It's not necessarily great football, but it's great offensive football. We see incredible catches all the time. And the running game, you see what Ezekiel Elliott leading the league, and the Texans just came in and and lassoed him. And uh, he was not a factor at all. So it's easier to shut down the run than it is the pass. I can't wait to see what the Texans do against LaShawn McCoy. And I'll bet you Josh Allen runs at least ten times in this game. Oh, at least. He's got to because he's going to have to. He just doesn't throw the ball that well yet. But I still think by accident he could almost make a couple of really big plays to the passing game. Let me throw this one at you, though. Warren Moon, 10th on the all-time passing list. When you were talking about him as a possible inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, how did the CFL stuff weigh in, if at all? I never, get, I never, in my presentation, I never brought it up. You don't get an exchange rate like, hey, 20,000 yards in the CFL is worth at least five in the NFL. And five championships. <laughs> Somebody in the debate, after I made my presentation, mentioned that it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame, not the NFL Hall of Fame. But it doesn't work that way, does no. it? No, uh, but I had enough ammunition with Warren, and it was all about throwing the ball. Somebody said, well, he was in it, run and shoot his whole career. I said, no. So what? He was not. 
It he was, was not. You're right. Yeah, yeah right. four years. You know. I said he had his greatest year in Minnesota with Dennis Green, and I had all the stats to back it up. But if Marino, if if Moon was playing today with four wide receivers and a thousand yard back that he had then, that they he might throw for four hundred yards a game, and Marino, you know, he would throw for the most. He was insanely good, and I was often rooting for the other team, but I had to respect him. He was incredible. He had John- the quickest. He had the quickest release yep. I've ever seen. Yep, it just watch the highlights, folks. And you know what? It's funny because the Achilles injury really slowed him down. It was he was never a runner, but if you watch even the Super Bowl loss, the only Super Bowl he was in, he moves around the pocket very yes. well. He he was, he was not very mobile. Instinctive and, and yeah. had great pocket presence. That's a great way to put it. All right, John, what do you have going on in the Chronicle? I have on Friday uh, DeAndre Hopkins catch and run from start to finish. What he said, what his teammates said, what Sean McDermott of the Bills coach said, he couldn't sleep at night after watching that play. He gave us some good quotes. Watson's a, a headache. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aaron Wilson has a big story Sunday on the red zone troubles, looking back at last year when they were successful. And this year they have not to see what the differences are. And uh, thank you very much. It's going to be another fun weekend. Now, let's go to Patty Smith of the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. And I got that right, right, Patty? Harris County Houston Sports Authority. You always get that right. We've I done do. this long enough. Yes, we have. But, you know, you haven't been there. Well, you've been there for, what, three years now or something? Uh, just a little over two, actually. Really? So this is your third year? Going into my third year, yes. And it's funny because, like, going into a year as opposed to it being that year, I mean, these are definitely subtleties that you have to follow because I know this plays into the theme for the Houston Sports Awards this Look year. Look at you bringing it all together. Yes, to, um, we've just announced um, mm-hmm. the theme, the date, all of that good stuff for our second annual Houston Sports Awards. And um, last year was such a success. We are so looking forward to year number two. It will be held on February 6th at the Hilton Americas. Okay. and That's um, where it was last year. That's where it was last year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you were there. You were part of it. You helped host it. Great job, by the way. Am I allowed to talk about what you gave me for that? Yes. Because you gave me some wine. Yes. Multiple bottles of wine. And I don't drink, but my wife does, so she's very appreciative of that. So it's actually, you know, I can benefit from that. But it has my name, like, engraved on the bottle. And I'm sure you did this for all the hosts or whatever, but it was a wonderful thing you guys did. And it's such a great conversation piece because my name is engraved on the bottle. Did I mention that? That is so cool. What a great gift. It was a great gift. And we did that for our hosts, all of you guys. We did that for our nominees. We did Mm -hmm. it for our winners. And, um, yeah, they they were very cool. And the winners got some too, huh? Yep. Very nice. Uh, I thought it was a tremendous event. I think everybody remembers it, and a lot of people saw it on Root Sports as well, AT&T Sports Network. Uh, so maybe you'll have it up there again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we uh, actually the cool thing about it this year is we have both a broadcast partner as well as a cable partner. So AT&T Ooh. Sportsnet once again will be carrying it night of. And uh, Channel 13, KTRK, is actually producing it. And they will, um, they're joint partners with AT&T mm-hmm. Sports, and they'll do a one-hour show post-facto. Uh, they'll be streaming it live. So the two are working together to double the coverage. That's cool because that way people who either went or didn't go can see it afterwards as well. It runs multiple times. Yep, absolutely. Very nice. Yeah. Well, 
So what are you going to do? Like, are you going to be on stage doing some emceeing and stuff like that? Because I really didn't see you up there last year. I don't think anybody saw me anywhere last year. It was so no, crazy. you were all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you were everywhere and no place yeah. at the same time. I think I went up on stage for about four seconds to present a $50,000 check to the Star of Hope yesterday. They, they're yesterday. Last year, that was our uh, our charity partner. But other than that, no. I had a million irons in the fire, and I, right. I'll leave the hosting duties up to people I, like you. I thought it was impressive because you had so many moving parts so many celebrities. I mean, just to get everybody in the same room is one thing, but then to get them to do something, you know, to actually do something together uh, was phenomenal. All right, so this year, what's the focus? Last year was awesome. We all remember it. You unveiled the big three, and it was kind of a surprise, right, the 34s? Well, we went into the show last year honoring the 34s, and that's all we even told them. You know, Earl Campbell, Hakeem Olajuwon, Nolan Ryan, and then the big surprise at the end of the night was not only were they being honored, but they were being inducted into our newly created Houston Sports Hall. They didn't of Fame. have to wait for a vote. They're in. They they were just they were just in and that was something that organically kinda happened and evolved and we kept it a secret and it was um, I think it blew people away. So right. um, you know, moving forward kind of the big question uh, to me that I've gotten a million times was, Oh my gosh, how do you top that? How do you top yep. Earl, Hakeem and Nolan? Um, you can't. I mean you can't top those three as far as athletes go in Houston in my opinion. But there are things we can do to top it, equal it, or to be, um, you know, have that wow factor, just sure. maybe in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we've got a couple of cool things. And if I, you know, told you the what the big thing was, I, we do have a big You'd surprise. You'd have to kill me. I would never kill you. But we okay. do have a big surprise at the end. And uh, honestly, it will probably be uh, as big, if not bigger. Um, but basically our theme Whoa. this year, yeah, no, no, I, that's not what I'm here to talk about. But the theme that we are going to put out there today yes. that went out on um, uh, all week on our uh, media release is basically we, two things. One, we are going to honor with the passing of Barbara Bush in 2018. Mm-hmm. We wanted to pay tribute to her and honor her. Right. Um, you know, especially in the sports world for all that the Bushes have done. Yep. You know, how many coin tosses, how many, you know. Oh first pitches and and Barbara sitting behind home plate keeping score and keeping score I love that about her in her little kids and I mean just so many things you could go on and (laughs) on was she wearing kids are you sure of this always wore kids okay but she's uh, you know the rodeo the rocket just absolutely everywhere so we want to honor George and Barbara Bush both of them um, with our Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, so that's great. That is the big announcement, uh, one of them. Also, our theme as we continue to, you know, the night is about the athletes, the current ones. You know, right. we're, we're, we're giving away awards for celebrating 2018. At the same time, it's important for us to look back and, and celebrate our former athletes. And mm-hmm. you saw, you know, 50 to 100 of them in the room that night. Right. And so we're going to take a look back at kind of a lifetime of Houston sports one decade at a time. You know, okay. it's the, I'll give you a couple examples. I'm not going to give them all away. You you know, your audience can guess as to what they are. But, you know, for example, if you go back um, 70 years, right. it's the 70th anniversary of Jackie Burke winning his first ever professional golf tournament. It's oh. the 40th anniversary of the Love You Blue Oilers. It's, the it's 10th, already 40. It's the 10th anniversary of Andre, Andre Johnson's career season as a Houston Texan. So yep. each decade has an anniversary. Right. If you go back to the, you know. Yeah. Because you go like the 08, 09, or 18, 19. So, yep. so, so it's an 8, 9 academic year kind of anniversary. Yes, because we're celebrating 18. We're doing it in 2019. So yeah. I gave myself a little buffer there to be yeah, able to find it. Yeah, it's always one of those tricky things, but that's a cool way to do it. Yeah, so we will celebrate. I mean, you know, just touch upon them 
some longer than others, but that's kind of the, the common theme throughout the night. Right. So in 1839... <laughs> <laughs> we won't go back quite that far. Yeah. Right after San Jacinto was fought... Uh, well, there's a lot you can do with this. Like, I'm thinking of 1988-89. I know you don't want to give stuff away, but my mind is going into certain areas here. This is going to be cool. And, Very and cool. you're right. People will guess as to what the anniversaries are. 09, also the first ever Texans winning season, 2009. So there's that, along with Andre Johnson's. Yeah, I could say that's Brian his, Cushing his was best year. Of the year. Yeah, he was rookie that of the year. year. Texans had a bunch of Pro Bowlers with Schaub, Mario Williams, Tobacco Ryan's, Brian Cushing. Arian Foster didn't make it that year because he just played the two games at the end of that season. But anyway, there's a lot you could do with that. That's very cool, Patty. Yeah. Houston Sports Awards, and I love that you're honoring George and Barbara Bush. This is great. I mean, I met George Bush at a Lombardi Award ceremony. I, I emceed one when I first got here, and it was you know something you, know, you never forget. Obviously, I know you hobnobbed with the Bushes so many times, and George and you go way back and everything. But I met him once, so there. Yeah, no, I've Maybe interviewed twice. him. I've interviewed him many times, and I've told many of those stories on this show with you before. Mm-hmm. And um, but and I, you know, I will just say, I, one of my everybody always asks me, what's you know your favorite interview ever, your favorite moment in sports and all your career, and I always go back to that one, and I've told you about it with George Bush at an Astros game, interviewing him behind home plate, and um, after the interview, he asked me to stay, watch a, a little bit of the game with him. We stood up during the seventh inning stretch during uh, Jack Ingram's performance of God Bless America. I helped him stand up and stood there holding his hand through God Bless America. And that uh, that is was strong. that was probably yeah one of the most memorable moments of my life. That is so great. Yeah. You're always the go-to person for these and interviews. You want some irony here? Yeah. I didn't even think Serve about this until now. This is a little bit of an announcement, but Okay. I don't know, I probably shouldn't. No, it. come on, give us a little taste. Possibly Jack Ingram may be performing at Sports Awards. All right, there you go. Yeah. Jack I, is I just, is he he out. is a Texan, right? He's a, yeah, a big yeah. sports fan. I mean, big, I first heard star. him when I moved here, you know. He was doing a he did a gig for the Texans downtown. Some people might remember the opening week of the season first two three years we did a downtown ceremony kind of thing and i think downtown was just coming back from a lot of different stuff the construction the renovation the light rail going in remember the first super bowl downtown was a huge deal uh it still is obviously but it, it was a comeback for downtown a renaissance a resurgence if yeah you will. And he played that gig oh did he yeah yeah he's he's phenomenal he he's really great and a huge houston sports fan um we're lucky to have him involved mm-hmm. and yeah, you, you talk about those those Super Bowls, and yes, it still is a big deal, Mark, the Super Bowl. But what a difference between this Super Bowl and last Super Bowl in what actually transpired and happened downtown. And, and they the were footprint. both phenomenal, but you think about the years apart. It, I mean, it wasn't like the one with Minnesota and the Miami Dolphins at Rice Stadium compared to the one that happened capping the 03 season. But there was still a big difference because the city had come so far and Discovery Green and every, none of that was there. And downtown for the su- first Super Bowl was all tented and everything. This was just completely built, you know, yeah. completely built up and really a wonderful celebration. Great stuff for our city. I know you're really involved with that. And uh, and you guys do such a great job at Harris County Houston Sports Authority. Do you ever, yeah. do you ever miss me over here? Like <laughs> I miss you. I miss you every day. Okay. Every well, day I miss, I miss you miss too. You. I miss you too. Yeah, that's why you call me. That's why my phone blows up all the time, it's, right? It's, well, because never. you changed your number. so I, I've I, never I, changed my number, Mark. 
Something must be wrong. Something's amiss here, Patty. Anyway, all right, so it's going to happen February 6th at the Hilton Americas. Where can people get more information? HoustonSportsAwards.com. You know, it's, uh, again, so successful last year. You know, tickets are hard to come by, but tables are available at Mm -hmm. this point. And then uh, pretty soon, remember the golden ticket we sold last year where you can – that that, oh, yeah. that won't go on sale until November 1st, but keep your eyes peeled for that one where you can uh, – you know, for $100, that's our charity component. You, component. you have a chance to win season tickets to – Everything. Everything. Everything in Houston. So awesome. Yeah. All right, Patty, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you, Mark. Patty Smith of the Harris County Houston Sports Authority. Now it's time for Houston Methodist Minutes with Dr. Alex Schroeder of Houston Methodist. Doctor, how are you doing? Doing well, thank you. Let's talk about stingers. We hear about stingers. It almost sounds like a slang term for a real big medical condition. What is a stinger? Uh, that's a good question. Stingers are usually a traction injury or compression injury to nerves that are leaving the uh, cervical spine down to the arm. So uh, someone might get hit from the side or fall on their head or have their arm pulled a certain way. And that causes the symptoms uh, of uh, stinging or electrical shock down the arm. How do you gauge the levels of a stinger? Because I got to think that sometimes it's going to last longer than other times. How does all that work, doctor? Yeah, so usually they're fairly self-limiting, uh, any, anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours. Um, so it's usually not that uh, significant of an injury, however. Uh, There are some clues that uh, there might be more problems to look for. Uh, For example, if both arms are involved, neck pain uh, or symptoms that persist more than a couple of days, uh, that may require more workup. Doctor, great information. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Thank you very much. Dr. Alex Schroeder of Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist Orthopedics and Sports Medicine offering convenient sports injury clinics for student-athletes around the Houston area to help them recover from injuries incurred during a week of practice and or games. Clinics are open Saturday mornings in Baytown, Clear Lake, West Houston, Katy, Sugarland, and Willowbrook. For more information, log on to HoustonMethodist.org slash athlete, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. That's going to do it for the show today. I want to thank everyone for being a part of it. Have a great night, everyone. Tomorrow night at 6, back on the air with Texans All Access. Go Texans!